The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Welcome to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, my name is Catherine Johnston. And I am Emma Grenfeld. Hello. That was a long blonde with You Could Have Both. Very relevant, possibly. <laughs> yeah, and we are engineered tonight by the fantastic Chris Stanley. Yeah, so today I'm quite excited. We've, we're talking about a topic we've thought about quite a lot, which is polyamory. We've got a special guest on the show, Rosie Welby. Are you there, Rosie? I am. I'm here on the phone. Yay! Hi. Thanks so so much for calling in. Rose has actually been on the show before, but she's a comedian, musician, writer, broadcaster. broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, many things. Well, Mm. I do a show on Resonance as well, of course, on a Tuesday. Colleague. Yes, (laughs) colleague and friend. Yeah. So we wanted to kind of talk to you about something that you've written about and performed about and survey people about as well, I think. Um, So firstly, what do you mean or what do you think of when we talk about polyamory? Polyamory, if, if we're sort of trying to, um, you know, take kind of literal translations, you know, obviously monogamy, if you translated it from the Greek, that sort of means one marriage for life. Um, of course, we don't even mean that anymore. People tend to mean one marriage at a time. And so polyamory, if you were sort of looking at it that way, is about many loves, really. Um, and so I think that's the real distinction, is that monogamy was always, centered around marriage and polyamory is much more about multiple love loving relationships rather than necessarily sexual ones or marriage ones um so i think i think that's what i find really interesting about it so i know that a lot of people read an article that i wrote for the new statesman saying that we're all essentially very polyamorous because we have more than one friend i mean i think if you took monogamy to its sort of logical or perhaps slightly ridiculous conclusion, Mm -hmm. you know, you would only sort of be able to talk to or interact with one person, you know, um, because when you really start looking at the intricacies of where the boundaries lie about, you know, what counts as fidelity, what counts as being faithful, it's actually very, very complex. and There's no universal one-size-fits-all, which um, the survey that I did as research for my comedy show that I took to Edinburgh two years ago asked that question, what counts as infidelity? And I suggested quite a lot of different answers. People could put their own answers in as well. And it was really interesting how some of the things that scored really, really highly were more sort of emotional types of fidelity, emotional Mm. monogamy, things like falling in love but without any sexual contact or staying up all night talking to someone or texting and emailing someone or, um, you know, there were, there were lots of things like like that that were a bit more a bit more of an emotional type of type of connection, perhaps. Um, if it's not too personal a question, when were you kind of first introduced to the concept of polyamory? Or maybe when did you first realise that that was something that people did? I don't know. It was an interesting time, about two and a half years ago, um, so towards the end of 2012, um, where when 
uh, there was a combination of things happening. I was starting to think about what I would write my show about for next year's Edinburgh. Um, and also I was thinking about relationships a lot because um, loads and loads of my friends were all breaking up. Mm. And the year before that, I had had quite a big breakup from a five-year relationship. And I just started reading a lot of um, articles about relationships and about serial monogamy and, and how we kind of stay friends with exes or don't and, and all that kind of thing. And then gradually I started reading bits and pieces about non-monogamy uh, and people doing that and negotiating that in an ethical way. And I came across a book called Rewriting the Rules by Meg Barker and then various other books as well. There's a book called Opening Up, which is an American book that's really good and gives you lots of examples of different sort of polyamorous structures. Um, but when I, I got it out of the library and it came up in a search next to a book called Opening Up the Bible, which I thought, I bet the woman who wrote that is really cross that uh, <laughs> it comes up in a search alongside this polyamorous book. Um, and so I just started, um, started reading all about it and thinking more about it and then decided to do that would be the theme for my Edinburgh show because I thought this is kind of quite meaty and an interesting question. Um, I mean, it was it was quite challenging to write a comedy show about because I realised once I'd committed to doing it and put myself in the Fringe programme, I realised it was actually quite hard to joke about something that's actually quite deep and quite personal and uh, mm. sort of makes audiences think about some very deep and provocative questions about their relationship history. And so it was definitely challenging. Um, so, is, sorry, is that the show, um, Is Monogamy Dead? Yes, is it's that... called Is Monogamy Dead. And what uh, was the conclusion? Uh-huh. Well, it's it's very much a question, and I think I think the conclusion is that it, it you know, it, so perhaps monogamy doesn't exist as a static concept. So who 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 can say whether it's dead or alive in a universal sense? You know, it's uh, is it dead or alive for you and your partners? I suppose that's the uh, that's the important thing. You know, what 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 are your boundaries and your kind of guidelines and principles and ethics? Um, you know what? What is the sort of compassionate way that you want to to deal with people um, around you? Um, so, yeah, I think I think it was uh, it, you know it was it was kind of a nice provocative kind of title. I quite like asking a question, and then you know often the best questions uh, you know make you ask lots more questions, <laughs> and then it's it's quite hard to necessarily answer them per se. What kind of reaction did you get from the audience in terms of were, were there people coming along who just had never heard of this concept and have you had any feedback from people saying that perhaps it's made them think differently about their own relationships yeah um what's interesting is i think this debate has started changing and, and opening up seems like a good word to use over the past couple of years because when i took the show to edinburgh it um there were definitely some people who were a bit maybe a little bit frosty about the idea. Um, but I think over the past couple of years, like lots more people have wanted to talk to me about the subject. And people, you know, journalists and people and, and science festivals have asked me to do the show and take part in debates and radio programs. And, and lots of people have been really interested that I, I've been looking at this topic because as well as writing a comedy show, I've sort of written quite a few serious articles and, and read a lot of stuff about it and really kind of thought about, you know, come up with different ideas of how we might go about it or different 
language that we could try using or even making up our own language, as indeed the poly community do a lot, you know, to try and sort of define new types of relationships. Yeah, I was just going to say, actually, just in terms of kind of poly language, there's a, something that you've talked about and that I'm kind of interested in, is the idea of like compression. Oh, yes. Or, or feeling frubbly, which I, I have know. no idea well, what they it are. It sounds strange. It sounds like a strange ice lolly or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or a frubs. That's what it makes me think of. Kind of feeling turned on by your partner being with somebody else. Uh, you know, I've definitely met people who say they feel that. You know, I do think that jealousy is something that you can kind of let go of if it no I think I was always jealous in very, very monogamous relationships I was in because you always assumed that if one of you did something, you know, with somebody else, then that would be the automatic end of the relationship. So it always felt like this really scary thing that you had to police against because, well, you would have to break up and that would be terrible. Whereas if it doesn't represent this, this threat and it, it just kind of, something nice and your partner being happy or feeling sexy um you know i mean in a way it's kind of all the more rewarding isn't it if they they're having a great time with someone else but you're still the one that they come home to um you know i mean i kind of still i suppose um even though i'm only sort of looking into in, in a practical sense of my own life sort of only in quite a quite a tame kind of way looking at polyamory really um but we certainly still have a sort of a very solid primary relationship. Um, and that's another way that obviously people might go about doing polyamory differently in the sense that you might have a primary partnership with other partners outside. Or um, there are people who might not might want to abandon all of those hierarchies and be more sort of relationship anarchists in a sense, which is sort of another way of looking at it. And some people say they're solo poly where their primary relationship is with themselves. That sounds great. I quite like that one. <laughs> yeah, we're both like, sign um, You were talking about some of the myriad benefits um, to being part of a poly community, but have you also had a sense from people who do engage with that way of having a sort of romantic sexual friendship life even? Are there any um, maybe pitfalls or things that come up as being potential difficulties that people encounter as well? Yeah, well, obviously there's kind of prejudice because I think there's always people who feel threatened if you're if you're doing something different and you're you're outside the sort of normative structures. You know, I mean, it's a bit like how it was maybe to be gay, you know, kind of twenty years ago or something. Um, and and you know, it's still sort of difficult to be trans or be different in some way. And and it's the same applies if if you're polyamorous. I think and, and people you know, perhaps a bit distrustful of it. There's this idea that you're trying to have your cake and eat it, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think if you've got a nice cake, why not eat it? Um, do you think, though, because something that I've kind of been wondering, is it, is it, do you think something that everyone is potentially capable of doing or do you think it's kind of almost like part of your sexuality, like either you're just a person who's polyamorous or you're not? I don't do know. Think- I've definitely heard people arguing it that, that it's part of, you know, in the same way that a sexual orientation would be part of, of their makeup, that being polyamorous would be. Um, yeah, I don't know, because I, I think we're all different in different relationships. I think um, you see two polyamorous people getting together and then deciding to be monogamous, you know, because that's how they feel in that relationship. So I think we're all not necessarily as static as that. Um, 
So, so I think it, it would be difficult to say. But I think other pitfalls. Um, I was just thinking of when, if someone has two partners and one of those relationships breaks up, I think people outside of that are sometimes less empathetic about the sort of heartbreak of that. They'll, you know, they'll say things like, "Well, you've still got one partner. You know, why are you upset?" <laughs> I guess also like the kind of technical um, time management issues. Yes, can be a problem. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you want to double yeah. book yourself. <laughs> I mean, I, I spoke to a, a, a straight man about it who, you know, and I, you always think straight men would love the idea of being able to have lots of sex. And this guy was just, he looked panic stricken at the thought. He was like, I don't, I, you know, I don't have enough time to do my job and juggle my family. And, you know, and all that intercourse. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> um, so kind of final couple of questions I guess so why do you think that everyone is so caught up in the idea of monogamy why is that why does everyone want that well you know it, it just seems to have been fed to us really really strongly doesn't it you know for for, for many many years um, you know by by a whole combination of church and state and and the media as well I mean we're fed this very strong message by all the sort of romantic films that there is this idea of meeting the one and we're supposed to know when we've met this perfect right person. Um, and I think that's kind of dangerous because, you know, if you if you believe that, then you kind of throw away a lot of people who might be, you know, might meet a, a certain percentage of your needs, but not 100%. And you kind of discard a lot of people you connect with on, on some levels, but they're not perfect. They're not this amazing superhero. Um so, I, you know, I, I just think it's completely unrealistic. But, but I think, you know, the media seems to actually sell this idea to us even more strongly than ever. Well, I guess we'll be talking in a minute about whether either of us are into that, <laughs> into that concept. Yeah, I have one final question if we've got time, which is just, do you think there's a need to create a sort of distinction between like romantic and platonic relationships? Because something that I like to think about is like, as you said, like relationship anarchy maybe my conception of that is wrong but like the kind of seems to me like why is there a need to put people on like hierarchies of like this is a romantic such as a platonic relationship yeah, I, I mean I kind of hate that that binary um, idea really um, I, I, my I um, it, I did a Radio 4 talk called A New Currency of Commitment um, where the idea was that we we've kind of devalued the word friend and we should maybe kind of boost up the value again of that and realize that, that friendships are actually really, really amazing. They're often the really, really enduring relationships that last a long time and the people who are there for you at the end when your romantic relationship has, has ended. Catherine um, and I were just nodding and smiling yeah, at each other. We were <laughs> having a little <laughs> moment. A visual for everyone. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's true, it's it? true, yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I think there's a whole continuum, a whole broad spectrum in between you know, those sexual relationships and, you know, quite romantic friendships. I mean, a friend of mine uses the term love affair friendships to talk about really, really romantic friendships that are still non-sexual, but they have a, a very sort of deep, lasting and, and romantic element. So I, I just don't see it as, as binary like that. I mean, I quite like, personally for myself, I like the idea of having a primary relationship not that it's more sexual or more romantic or I, I'm not valuing it in an emotional sense, but just my practical commitment to living with one person and sharing resources and just that practical sense of spending time with somebody and saying, I'm here for you and you're my number one priority. 
Um, and I know relationship anarchists don't like making necessarily making priorities of one person over another in that sense. I think from a practical point of view, I personally find that easier because, you know, life is complex and we all have lots of different work commitments and, and people and families and parents and, and all kinds of things to juggle. So I still find holding on to some kind of structure reassuring. But, I, you know, I hate all these rules around, oh, this person is just a friend. I, I hate that that idea of just friends as if it's somehow lesser and I think we're um, agreed on that front <laughs> Rosie thank you so much for joining us yeah really great. appreciate it um is there anything you want to tell us about that you're doing any shows coming up that you want to let our listeners know about yeah well I'm doing um a, a, another one of my shows 90s woman um which was about um a feminist theme that myself and a group of women created as students back in the 90s um, that's on a, upstairs at the Ritzy in Brixton on the 7th of July. Um, and also I recorded a TED talk about monogamy um, at TEDx Hackney, um, it was TEDx Women event at the weekend. And that should be going online in the next sort of two or three weeks. But if people um, check me out on Twitter or Facebook, um, obviously I'll be tweeting that when it goes live. We'll link that on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, we will do. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks. 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 Bye. Have a good show. So I think there's loads to talk about there, but one of the things that really stands out for me is that the idea of the hierarchy and why we insist on categorising people and seeing friends as being somehow lesser in terms of significance to maybe other forms of relationship. And I think partly that's to do with when you're growing up, it's like you've got your family, you've got your friends, and then you've got your relationship. And marriage is more important to, you know, other types of long-term partner. And it's it's like a kind of scale. And I just I just think that just gets blown out of the water. Everyone's got that relation who you really just don't feel close to. And it's like, you know, it's not the case that these things always work out how you would imagine. I totally agree. I think I don't really understand why you would say or why you would have a hierarchy of like, this person's my lover, whereas this person's my friend. So that means I like owe more of a commitment to the lover. But then I think things get confusing when you start like getting off with your friends. <laughs> like that's always a problem. Yeah. I mean, one thing I think I have been um, guilty of is the fact that because I'm so, I only spend time, I don't, I'm not one of those people who has lots of friends who I'm not that close to. Like the people that I consider my friends and I see a lot, I'm really close with. But I feel the need to, when I say friend, that doesn't feel adequate. So I fall into this thing of describing everyone as being my best friend to try and explain how close I am to them. So it got to the stage where I was explaining to my housemate, oh, you know, my friend Chris is coming today. He's my best friend in Australia. And they were like, these categories are getting ridiculous. What do you mean you've got a best friend You're in my each best friend country? that I see on Saturdays. Yeah, you're my best friend my, that I go to Waitrose with. You're my best radio friend. Like, you know, it just goes on. <gasps> oh, Lily won't like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... It's that kind of trying to just convey to people like this person's really special to me and there's something a bit extra. And several of my friends have said to me before that they consider when they start seeing someone or going out with someone, they consider that person to be important to them, but nowhere near as important for a long time um, as their kind of best friends. And it's unusual to find a partner who really um, reaches that point because that would be a very long-term relationship. And with some friends, if you've known them since you were very little, you're talking about knowing people for like pretty much all of your life potentially. So 
that line gets very blurred. Um, but in terms of actual, you know, romantic polyamory, is that something that you're interested in? I guess, I don't know. I'm not 100%. I suppose, like, similarly to Rosie, it's nice the idea of, like, having someone who's kind of, like, I don't know, like, your busy mate or whatever, who you're kissing as well, but they're, like, your primary love interest. And then, in theory, you can just, like, go off and get off with other people. Like, that obviously is tempting. I don't know. Does that appeal to you at all? I think, for me, I couldn't be, I think, truly polyamorous because... I like to put a lot of energy and focus and attention onto like one person. And I would find that the level of kind of um, emotional outpouring that they probably get or, you know, the things that I like doing, I like that kind of quite intense relationship. And I am a bit more fatalistic. Like I do have this thing in the back of my mind that does tell me there is a one for me. And as ridiculous as I do think that is, I think I do have that slightly old fashioned romantic side to me as well so I don't think I could actually um love two people at the same time or even have two um relationships at the same time that were at least sexual in nature because I wouldn't have the the space and the time and the energy but I also wouldn't want to but having said that I definitely think that um you can have different degrees of closeness and I have definitely been in relationships before where I've realized that I've liked someone else I think you can love people at the same time but it's maybe a different type of love and I think probably what I find and a lot of people find is that maybe I love someone but I'm falling in love with someone else and it's like it's changing in one way but I don't think I could be madly in love with two people at the same time and have that kind of passionate side that for me you know I think it just gets channeled into one person and do you think you feel jealous if, if someone said that you know they loved you and someone else yeah, I think I think I would. Um, I'm I'm not really a jealous person, but I, I, I think I would feel maybe a bit insecure. But it depends what they're getting from that person. Because fancying someone, it's you know, it's a kind of, it feels more objective. But it's that subjective. Oh, you know, I'm falling for this person because they provide some kind of maybe um, emotional or you know intellectual need, or I just I just love being around them because they're really funny or whatever it is. That suddenly then makes you comparing yourself and that I think is where it's that insecurity side of things um that might cause problem for me I mean I guess like a lot of different people can provide you with different things like you can get I don't know I guess not to say people like a means to an end but you can get different things from different friends you know yeah. like they provide you. and I guess why can't the same be true of love interests yeah exactly and it's something that I think it's interesting that it's a relatively recent thing that people are actually talking about polyamory um in like in the world that we live in like I I wouldn't have heard the term like when I was a teenager people wouldn't have sort of um spoken about it at school I don't I don't recall ever hearing an adult talk about in a serious kind of way as a lifestyle choice and now I think that's changing um so it'll be interesting to see how people kind of um young people get exposure to this kind of lifestyle and obviously the internet plays a big part in that people being able to share I feel like the first time I heard the term was when I told someone about the group of people I was moving in with and she said oh yeah I know them that's a polyamorous squat and I was concerned there'd be enforced polyamory thus far it hasn't happened. So uh, running out of time, it's all we've got time for today. Um, but big thanks again to special guest Rosie Willby. And um, I think we're going to play out on um, Part-Time Lover by Stevie Wonder. Thanks for listening. Um, if you haven't signed up to our podcast, please do iTunes and iCast. And you can also find us on Twitter at VOW Radio. Uh, see you next correct. week. Good night. Bye. Bye.
For full versions of our shows, check out verylosewomen.wordpress.com. This programme was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.